This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Shouldn't you be at work? Anderson. Off the line by Wegley and turned in by Bruce. Strachan gets the corner in. Bruce. Top corner. Bruce arriving and Bruce scoring. No, it's going to be Brian Robson floating in there towards Steve Bruce. And it's in there. Sharp gets another go. Two decoy runs and Steve Bruce scores. So Nigel Spink against Steve Bruce and Bruce wins it and United are ahead. Now, you know him better than anybody probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, oh No. Hello and welcome to episode two of Steve Bruce's Striker, word by word. Ivo Graham, still here? Yes, uh, and what a pleasure it is to be approaching chapter two. Chris Skull. Hello. Michael Marden. Hello. Now, Michael, last time you thought that it wouldn't last as long as it did. Yes, I was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say I was surprised by that first chapter. There were some big words in there, a few clever literary devices. I really feel like Steve Bruce has front-loaded the complexity of this book. Yeah, I feel like we might already be taking a revisionist approach to this whole (laughs) trilogy. (laughs) Is this like when I listened to Be Here Now and thought, actually, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I really rate Be Here Now. Really rate it. I think that... There's no surprises there. (laughs) (laughs) I think much like Steve Bruce's Striker, it was written on a big, expensive high that (laughs) (laughs) ultimately everyone involved has to come down from eventually. (laughs) Would you say that the cover of Be Here Now or of Steve Bruce's Striker is worse (laughs) of the two? (laughs) Just... Just as a visual collage, which one makes less sense? It's very, it's very hard to say. I'd say if you asked me without seeing either which had a car on the front, I'd have given you the wrong answer. Yeah. 
Maybe we're drawing the wrong analogy because strikers definitely maybe. It's really, it's sharp. It hits hard. I think it's fair to say that the work of Steve Roos and Noel Gallagher is perfectly analogous. <laughs> in, the, uh, in the striker, for me, is the defining text. It's sharp. It's, you know, yeah. you just bashed it out. Mm. Yeah. There's not, and then the second one, sweeper, is brilliant. But it's it's a bit more over the top. Yeah, he had forever to write his first album, yeah, exactly. and then suddenly, is and then the, Defender yeah. is just a complete fucking mess. Yeah. <laughs> but say what you like about Oasis, they really put Mulcaster on the map. <laughs> I think to continue the analogy, would Steve Bruce's autobiography be that collection of B-sides albums? Well, the master plan. The yeah. master plan. <laughs> Some say he should have held back. Uh, Steve Bruce should have held back his autobiography and used some of it in his third uh, novel. <laughs> he just thought he could keep writing his hits. <laughs> he didn't know. He didn't know. Um, sorry if there's any people that aren't Oasis fans, because that's going to be such a boring three minutes. Um, we should... Do- it's unlikely. I'm also gutted that I can't think of a slightly more effete London-centric football manager who was also writing clumsy <laughs> detecting novels in the mid-90s <laughs> with whom he'd have had a tussle at the top of the publishing charts. Um, so, uh, where do we stand at the end of Chapter 1? So, just to recap, he finds Duffy on the floor. Steve Barnes is holding the knife. His assistant, Carberry, comes in and catches Steve Barnes with the knife, and we recap... That's basically the first chapter. I yeah. um, I like hearing you recap it, Josh. I think it's useful for us just to sort of reset up ourselves. I'd say for the listeners, if you're on episode two of the Patreon Steve Barnes word by word, having already listened to the full episodes, if you're still needing briefs on what's going on at this stage <laughs> at the end of every episode, <laughs> how many micro digests can we give you? <laughs> okay. Uh, Ivo, you're reading chapter two. Chapter two. All hell seemed to break loose. One minute, I'm in the locker room with the dead boy. And <laughs> just, say, just say the body. Uh, and Carberry sneering. And the next thing, I'm in my office. Not at my desk, but on the settee, dazed. The dead boy. Can we can we chip into that a bit? Ooh, it feels a bit inhumane, doesn't also, it? Also, it feels... Cause anyone who's across... Tim Key's poetry a lot. Mm. He refers to to his his penis as his boy. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I'd say that's quite a specific thing to be thinking of at this moment in time. <laughs> um, but also, it's too it's too vivid. I think. Well, it's certainly too vivid if you're thinking of Tim Key's flaccid penis, <laughs> the dead boy. <laughs> um, but yeah, exactly. No, no journalist would would ever write the dead boy. It, it's the body, or it's you know, yeah, um, the cadaver. Well, can we also in... quickly pick up on? Um, I'm in the locker room. Another one of those sort of strange. American Ameri- is, is an American. You'd say the changing room. room. I'm in the changing rooms with the, yeah. Yes, the Tim Key's dead penis. It's a different uh, version of locker room talk, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> Who killed that boy? <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's the Tim Key meaning, of course, in which case it's, it's proper locker room talk. Uh, outside the door, there was the hubbub of voices. By this time, everybody must have known. And no doubt the rumour mill was active. Terrible writing. <laughs> Julie was sitting next to me, holding out a glass of water. Drink this, she said. You look like a ghost. I drank deeply. Thanks, Julie. 
I needed that. <laughs> right then, Carberry entered. He didn't knock. Is this the first appearance of Julie? Yeah, I think it is. Right then, Carberry entered. He didn't knock. I phoned the fuzz, he said. <laughs> what? <laughs> I can't believe Steve Bruce knows that phrase. <laughs> fuzz, I the phoned devil. the fuzz. Carberry entered without knocking. The pigs will be here before long, I should imagine. <laughs> <laughs> the rosas are on their way. Yeah. Carberry's a Supergrass fan, that's why he's in <laughs> Yeah, he wouldn't have enjoyed those racist analogies at all. I'd, I think I'd forgotten how much of a villain Carberry is immediately. That's one of the main yeah. things I'd forgotten since the first time we did this. So Carberry is essentially sort of trying to dob him in already. Well, it wouldn't be long before the police arrived, that's for sure. Murder is a grave crime. <laughs> there was also the added frisson of it happening down at the local stadium. All of that is bad. Again, I'd, I've never referred to, for example, the county ground in Swindon as the local stadium. <laughs> <laughs> and it wouldn't be long before we had the media calling. Those guys miss nothing. In any case, there would be someone at the police only too willing to give a tip-off to the press, the radio, and the local TV. Would you like coffee? Julie asked. She ought to know that I rarely take coffee, but this was an exceptional situation, and she was thinking of what was best for me. My pulse was racing, my mind was in a daze, and the last thing I needed was coffee to raise my blood pressure. I have some chamomile tea, Julie said. (laughs) (laughs) Greet it like an old friend. That is the first first chord of Hey Jude. (laughs) What the hell do I need herbal tea for, I asked. It calms you down, Julie replied. Do you drink the stuff, I asked. All the time, Julie smiled. Working with you, I need all the help I can get. I'll try it, I told her. I mean, that scans as incredibly flirtatious under the circumstances. (laughs) There's a dead boy in the other room. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Can I say as well, like, he's a bit suspicious. He's like, oh, so the media might get tipped off here. Someone has been murdered, Steve. Like, yeah, yeah, it's not an injury. It's not an injury you're trying to hide going into the weekend's (laughs) fixtures. This is this is news. Mm. I've never read about a, a sort of murder in a newspaper and gone. God, these guys miss nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Who's leaked that to the press? <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, 
file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, Julie went out to make tea. It was then that I noticed Eddie Carberry was sitting in my chair behind the desk. <laughs> oh, come on, Carberry! <laughs> he was rubbing his head with his fingers and the palm of his right hand as men who are balding and conscious of it often to whom sublime pettiness from our hero there. <laughs> I like that, though. Yeah. I wonder which player he was referring to. Did he cross paths with Yapstam? I don't think Yapstam was that worried about going bald. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he ever negotiated his contract with Bobby Charlton. <laughs> he might could have happened. He, could he have must happened. have had a lot of dealings with Bobby Charlton over those years of Man U. What's, what's all this about, Eddie? I asked. You tell me, Steve, he said. You're the man in charge. Let me tell you about Eddie Carberry. Some of you will remember he used to play for Bridesford and several other lesser clubs. <laughs> Bridesford, Bradford? Bradford, you'd have to say, maybe. Um, yeah. He was a midfield player. He was never going to be a world beater, was never going to win a national cap. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Many play football for a living, but few can expect to be chosen for the national side. Here we go. He spent three years in the army. Oh, so that's he doesn't hint. He's sort of sticking the boot in, but there's a, there's a, there's a kinship there, isn't there? Yeah. He spent three years in the army. Not a fashionable regiment, by all accounts, but he was chosen, nevertheless, to represent the army at soccer. So we got soccer there. Also, what's representing the army at football? I don't know. And when did he represent... When was this? Is this before he was a footballer? It's not, it's not clear. Is he based on Guy Whittingham? He came from the army. Yeah. We are actually just about to find out a little bit more about where he did serve. Ooh. He also spent time on duties in Northern Ireland. Oh. And that was no easy posting when the troubles were at their height. Yeah. So Does he mean for Bridesford or in the army? <laughs> well, he's, he, he's used small t for troubles. So okay. he's not, not explicitly referring to the political troubles. <laughs> Might have just been, you know, a particular difficulty with Eddie Carberry's comb over at the time. Eddie comb over. I remember seeing Eddie described as a good club man. That's meant to indicate solid worth rather than flash and talent. For every artist in soccer, there are a dozen or so artisans. I count myself as an artisan. And now, that I, is outrageous. Well, artisan is clearly the worst one of artist and yeah. artisan. But I always think of artisan as quite a sort of, that's a, that's a compliment. Well, an artisan, are we considering that Claude Makélélé is an artisan and Joe Cole is an artist? Oh, I see. I've never really seen artisan, the word artisan, without the word baker after it. I don't, I don't, I, I don't know what it means. <laughs> what is an artisan? Well, I presume from the context that an artist, that it's the opposite of an artist. So it's someone that <laughs> once again outwitted semantically. <laughs> yeah, Steve Bruce. We're going to have to Google this. Can we Google it? Chapter two. Checkmate. He's <laughs> absolutely oh, done us again. I always assumed an artisan was like like quite um a high, like high end like an artisan bakery mm. would it would be more high end than a ba- 
bakery. Yeah, because well, they're, they're, they're a more specialised. Skilled trade, especially when it involves making things by hand. Right. Okay. I think he's got that wrong. I think that's a poor choice of. Work, I think though. that's one all because that, sounds, be <laughs> that <laughs> sounds like artistry. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a that's quite a similar. Wouldn't, wouldn't you say? I think it's a phrase. I'm sure. It's like if you're saying in soccer there are two types of players: geniuses and visionaries. <laughs> <laughs> Right, responsibilities for artisans versus artists. Artists and artisans articulate a vision of their work through art or craft. Fine artists work in paint, watercolour, pen and ink, or illustrations, while artisans craft work like jewellery, glasswork, pottery, or other functional products. So I think Bruce is right there. He's, he's more, more, practical. Fun, more practical person. He's a glass blower. He's a glass blower. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, the VAR is still 1-0. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right, fair play. Um, as a defender, my job was always to stop the other guys from scoring goals. That's much more my level. <laughs> Literal description of what a defender is. I figure that. Yeah, I've, I've known that since about 1995. To stop an attack and then turn defence to attack. Many goals are scored when a team counterattacks straight from defence. Eddie Carberry played for 12 teams before he finally moved into coaching in his late 30s. Again, it's just slightly odd, jumpy writing, that, isn't yeah. it? But, uh, but there we go, 12 teams, coaching in his late 30s. And now we have a, a riff on club loyalty. Some players stick with one club all their lives. Tom Finney of Preston North End and Nat Lofthouse of Bolton Wanderers come to mind. Such players are few. Even the great Stanley Matthews played for both Blackpool and Stoke. The usual pattern for those in the highest divisions is to drop down a notch or two as the advancing years take their toll of muscles and wind. I hate that when you when you hit mid thirties and the years start to take their toll of muscles and wind. (laughs) Also, real players in all real clubs. You can't, but you've got to do that in example because it would be it would be absolute madness (laughs) if you went. For example, like <laughs> Tom Phoney of um, <laughs> Plocklington. Like, it would just be like, what is the point of that? I have played for six clubs, though at the last two, Threshfield and Leddesford, it has been as player manager. Now, again, just to sort of Bruce fact check that. So, so Barnes has played for six. Steve Bruce played for five clubs. Uh, Gillingham, Norwich, Man United, Birmingham and Sheffield United. But he wasn't player manager at either of the the, the last two. So there's a a little bit of licence there. It was earlier this year in September that I finally and reluctantly hung up my boots. It wasn't easy, but it was necessary. I understand how Eddie must have felt. There's a thrill, a buzz in turning out every week and putting into practice the routines learned and repeated on the training ground. Eddie was a bit of a nomad, even as coach. He started out with Carwell in the third division, moved back to Bridesford, where he had connections, did a spell with Donningford, again in the lowest division, and then moved to Leddersford. When he joined two years ago, the team was languishing near the bottom of the first. They were going nowhere except perhaps into the second division. I was brought in a couple of months ago to stop the rot. For me, that meant a whole new coaching staff. I was determined to employ my own people. There was no place in my scheme for a man like Eddie Carberry, whose ideas of trading meant two circuits of the cinder track, a bit of wall passing, a lot of shouting, and then everyone down to the pub for a liquid lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Carberry sounds like a great guy. You know where you stand. Like a lot of Can fun. we discuss wall passing? Yeah, what's wall passing? Just hitting it back and forward on a wall, I assumed. But why are they doing that instead of not to each other? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we could pass to each other, but it's going to pass against. But you're the still wall. knackered from the cinder track, of course. That's a, <laughs> <laughs> so, am I right? 
<laughs> Am I right in saying that Barnes inherited Carberry then? That wasn't his man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it doesn't. It doesn't really. Carberry was He there skips already. little bits as well. So Carberry been there for about two years. And they weren't really going anywhere, but it doesn't really specify what had happened in the two years since, apart from that there was a, there was a rot, presumably on account yeah. of all these liquid lunches, <laughs> which, to quote Barnes in the next sentence, isn't what the modern game is all about. <laughs> Correct. I gave the guy his chance. I talked to him both formally and informally, and it soon became clear that he was not the clued-up man I was looking for as my first assistant. I remember the formal and informal chats you guys gave me to check I was up for doing this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) You've really got to sound someone out on both. He's into it, but what if I was wearing a tie? (laughs) (laughs) Julie brought my tea and a plate of sweet biscuits. (laughs) Julie needs to back off. Every five minutes she's bringing him a hot drink at the minute. I, no, she's bringing got, it, no, she's bringing him the drink that she offered him. Oh, okay. On the previous page, I, I, I don't think we can take it at all. Well, sweet biscuits are off the cuff. <laughs> that's right. lovely. Yeah, that's a bonus. So he's a glass of water. Sweet, sweet biscuits. I'm struggling to picture what a brand is that you would call sweet biscuits. I think one of those um, fruit shortcake ones that's got the sugar on it. Lovely. Um, the ones that say nice. Yeah, <laughs> nice. The ones that say nice. <laughs> well, I, I, as a kid, I pronounced it as niece. Yeah, that's is real, it? it's a real. Mi- I don't know what the answer is, but oh, I've heard right. both. Okay, <laughs> point for both. Yeah. Very different lives. <laughs> Julie brought my tea and a plate of sweet biscuits. The pack is outside, she said. For the biscuits. <laughs> she meant the press. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lovely. <laughs> if you want the rest of the nieces, they're in the corridor. <laughs> Imagine like another scene like Notting Hill there he goes out to get the bit thinking he's getting the biscuits and all the cameras flash. <laughs> <laughs> he stood there in his pants. Where are the biscuits? I, I think for all the bad that's said about Eddie Carberry, <laughs> I think I would be absolutely effing fuming if I'd just been at a murder scene and I was sat in a room <laughs> with someone and someone else came in and <laughs> made the other offered the other person a cup of tea ignored me and then left and then brought the other person a cup of tea and some biscuits and I was just sat there I'd be like surely you offer up the tea to both even if you know if only to sort of soften up the suspect yeah. Yeah, this is not the time for needless passive aggression or games yeah well, maybe maybe the implications that he can go some get some from the from the pack outside. <laughs> the, pack of, the pigs are outside. Don't mean Percy pigs. <laughs> the pack is outside. She said. She meant the press. Baying like hounds, I asked, raising the ghost of a smile. Oh, that's Very, nice. Yeah, it's a oh, it's a nice. poetry. I think both. There's a poetry to both him saying baying like hounds and to the author saying the ghost of a smile. Ready to bite, she said. Tell them I'll talk later. What about Harry? Harry Pickles. (laughs) Works for the Leddersford Inquirer, the local paper. (laughs) Pickles are outside. Oh, delicious. (laughs) (laughs) I'll grab them with the biscuits. Harry Pickles works for the Leddesford Inquirer, the local paper. A man who's done me lots of favours since I arrived. Always writes a positive report. Has found space to praise my efforts with the team. 
He'll always write me a positive report, even if you've lost 4-0. <laughs> yeah, because like he's off his head. Terrible, terrible <laughs> journalist. <laughs> <laughs> they may have lost 4-0 today, but what a performance. <laughs> um, take him on one side. Tell him that I'll speak to him first. Harry Pickles is a greaser, Eddie Carberry said. Harry Pickles is essential to our local support, I replied. He's not only loyal to the club, he's been loyal this part of 20 years. He's a true supporter, would be even if he weren't writing for the local newspaper. He's never had a good word for me, Carberry grumbled. There are some things you do not answer. So I said nothing. Of course, I wasn't a glamour boy with Mulcaster United, was I? Here we go. I looked at Eddie's face, twisted with envy. So what is that? It's the implication there that Carberry's calling him a glamour boy because of his prestigious past. Yeah, because he won the Champions League. It it does come up that that happened. Mm. Um, He's then gone to manage at Leddersford and Pickles is just some kind of star fucker, I suppose (laughs) the phrase would be. I suppose so. (laughs) Give him with his his 10 out of 10s every week. (laughs) 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 But I don't think of the early 90s Man United, I wouldn't say glamour boys is the term I'm thinking of for, you know, Bruce Pallister, Irwin. (laughs) No, but think if Steve Bruce had come to Swindon. Right, I see. That would have been quite a big deal. That's true, actually. Uh, my face would certainly have been twisted with anything. <laughs> <laughs> the misfortune of being his assistant. Snubbed for biscuits on a daily basis. <laughs> that tea was excellent, Julie. He's, he's, not, uh, he's not risen to the uh, glamour boy bait. And he's turned back to one of, the, one of the yes men. That tea was excellent, Julie. I must ask Susan to buy a packet. She probably already has several packets, Julie smiled. And you've never noticed... I would say that's both flirtation and sort of telling him that he needs to spend more time with his wife. (laughs) (laughs) Also, also it is, um, I think it's a snipe at Susan's inability to properly plan a shop. (laughs) 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 To have three boxes of a chamomile tea feels too much. A complete waste of shelf space. (laughs) I stood up. Now I was feeling better. Smuggle Harry in, will you, Julie? I said. She went out. When she opened the door, there was a swell of voices in the corridor outside. It was calmer in my office than in the corridor. Lack of information feeds rumour. I had no doubt that the story had been embellished a hundred times already. Some member of the ancillary staff was probably swearing on oath that he had not only seen me with the knife in my hand, but had actually seen me deliver the fatal blow. And phoning the guys on the national newspapers, or even the local TV... I walked round the desk. Do you mind, Eddie? He pretended not to understand. What was that, Steve? I'd like to sit in my chair. Oh, yes, of course. He stood up. Your chair. (laughs) I believe I'm paid to be coach of the first team, Eddie. The last thing I wanted was an argument. I had enough to concern me without seeking further trouble. I mean, he's he's looking for an argument, isn't he? Totally is. I'd say to to go off on what you were saying earlier. Carberry has been wound up for the minute he walked into this office. Admittedly, he did sit down in the manager's chair while uh, while Steve was mournfully watching Julie disappear from the room. But it's been snub after snub. But would you, if you went into an office and there was a sofa and a chair, and the manager was sat on the sofa? Would you stay standing? Yeah, I don't think you sit. 
at a solo chair behind someone's desk. That's a real power play. Yeah, it's a power okay, play, isn't yeah. it? All right, I'll give you that. Mm. <laughs> I need to stop doing that in meetings. <laughs> I remember once when I was supporting on tour, Josh, and uh, and I came out and I sat in the, in the driver's seat of the of, of the car next to our driver, Ben, and you came and said, uh, I believe I performed for 90 minutes tonight. <laughs> <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is following on from him saying, I believe I'm paid to be coach of the first team, Eddie. How long can it last, though? I beg your pardon, I said. With all this, he said. I'm sure it'll be sorted out, Eddie. I sighed. The guy was working on my nerves, and at the very time I needed to be calm. After all, the law would be arriving soon, and they would have a battery of questions. It's quite a shift from the the fuzz to the law. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's cheered up after his chamomile tea. He's getting no, the fuzz was Carberry. The fuzz was Carberry. Sorry. Good writing, actually, because he's shown the two characters. Mm. Yes. One man's fuzz is another man's law. Sorted out. Eddie sounded incredulous. You say that when you were caught with the murder weapon in your hands. What the hell are you saying, Eddie? Now it was my turn to be surprised. I'll have to tell the truth, Steve, to the police. What is the truth, Eddie? I asked, and I admit that now it was my turn to sneer. What is the truth? <laughs> there was a knock on the door. I turned, expecting to see Julie ushering in Harry Pickles. In fact, she showed in two guys. Although they were in plain clothes, it was clear they were police officers. Oh. Here come the fuzz slash law. <laughs> <laughs> I, think that's, I think they've got every right to see him. And I think it is quite presumptuous of... Steve, who's been on a murder scene, to think that Harry Pickles should get precedent. Not now, boys. I've got an interview with Pickles in a minute. <laughs> wait. No spoilers, but he's a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> the first one flashed a warrant card. Detective Chief Inspector Shannon, he said. He closed the warrant card without giving me a chance to examine it. Please sit down, gentlemen, I said. Julie offered to take that. Do you, do you suspect, Chris, that the, that the implication there is that uh, it's not Detective Chief Inspector yes, Shannon? I, I thought puffed. that, but then I thought maybe he's just creating the character of a confident member of the fuzz. Mm. And maybe a bit presumptuous of him to sort of, you know, get to, get to check I over all their think, data. I don't think in a situation where I'd been caught with a murder weapon in my hand, I'd begin the interview by asking to double-check their ID. <laughs> <laughs> he closed the warrant card without giving me a chance to examine it. Please sit down, gentlemen, I said. Julie offered to take their coat, but they declined. Anything to drink? I asked. Both said they'd take coffee. Two coffees, Julie, I said, and more chamomile tea. Carberry fuming in the corner, absolutely parched, <laughs> drooling over the biscuits. <laughs> How many rounds need to be got in here before I get included on one? <laughs> Starving the bloke. His ears pricked up when he heard the pickles were coming in. Oh, here we go. I heard Eddie Carberry snort involuntarily. I hadn't asked him what he would oh, take to drink. Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. 
The seat in front of my desk is a long, low settee, modern in design, but very comfortable. It is long enough to take four or five people comfortably. So he's, what, he's got a desk, he's got his chair, a desk, and then like a sofa. Mm. Yeah, I think... Is that normal? That's a long sofa. Five people. Five people, five is a people. Long sofa. When, do, when do you... When would a football manager ever need five, five people? Oh, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah coaches, I don't know. I... I would have thought that it would be quite nice to have, I mean, to have a, you know, to have a, have a nap on, maybe. <laughs> I think if I, I mean, obviously that's not, that shouldn't be top of your agenda as a football manager, but that that would be, that would be in my ideal office. That I was think. a big criticism of Avram Grant's managerial reign at West Ham is that he would go in the manager's office and nap. Would he? Actually, he moved the managerial office from the ground floor to the first floor, so he was away from the thoroughfare and oh, could wow. go have well, a nap. Like George Costanza, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the players would kick balls up to the office to like wake him up. No, yeah, it's pretty wow. well known. The two detectives sat down. Eddie did the same. Perhaps you'd better wait outside, I suggested in a low voice. This was not the place for confrontation. Eddie Carberry, the second officer said. Eddie nodded. Detective Sergeant Widdowson. The two men shook hands. Carberry sat back, arms folded, a self-satisfied smirk on his lips. I sat down feeling deflated. I was no longer master in my own office. The senior officer spoke. I think maybe Steve's right, he said. I'm accustomed to complete strangers referring to me by my first name. It is the price we sports people pay for a certain amount of fame. It doesn't last long. Fame, that is. Except for the very few. <laughs> Fair play to Steve Bruce. Still going strong still in 2020. Strong. Yeah. Still, still having people calling him Steve in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> the, the stick. <laughs> um, you'd have to say that um, if you were not a fan of being referred to as Steve and you wrote a series of novels under a pen name maybe you changed that first name to a different name <laughs> I think maybe Steve's right the officer said right Carberry asked that you should wait outside Shannon replied but I was there Eddie Carberry said there when the murder happened was it murder sir Shannon asked in a low probing voice Duffy had a knife in his back you don't stab yourself in the back, do you? I almost smiled. Eddie knew all about stabbing others in the back, at least with words. Yes, at least with words. <laughs> text, subtext, and then text again to be sure. <laughs> <laughs> do you know the difference between murder and manslaughter? Shannon asked. Well, murder is when... Eddie stopped to think. It was clear from the look on his face that he did not know the difference. <laughs> Didn't know the difference between butter and margarine either. <laughs> Let alone artists and artisans. I don't think I know the difference between butter and margarine. I don't, I don't know the difference between butter and margarine. No, butter's um, dairy, isn't it? Margarine's okay, fine. Often from like sunflower oil and stuff. St still one nil, Bruce. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's actually quite knowledgeable. He is, isn't he? This is pre-internet as well, so like these. This not, is pre-internet. <laughs> it was can... Steve Tim Berners-Lee's greatest legacy <laughs> is that millions of people worldwide know the difference between butter and margarine. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, he's, but Skull's right. He could do like none of these things. He's not googled. Hmm. You know, yeah, um, garnering quick facts just by googling it. Yeah, he's having to dip into encyclopedias, or he knows this. That's true. Well, well he doesn't outline what the difference is. He might not <laughs> know himself. Enough, yes. <laughs> hiding, so hiding in plain it. sight. <laughs> <laughs> Please wait outside, Mister Carberry. I saw him. Eddie Carberry spluttered. He stood up and started to wave his arms about. Saw him, Sergeant Whitterson said. 
Now it was his turn to probe. Bending over poor young Duffy, Eddie said, and the murder weapon in his hand. That's very important, Widdison said gravely. Eddie Carberry smirked again. You're clearly an important witness, Widdison continued. So be sure not to leave the premises, Chief Inspector Shannon warned him, as he too stood up and led Carberry by the arm to the door. So it's not really sort of clear how they feel about Carberry, no. though, is it? Suspicious, I would say. Yeah, but they're, I'll tell you what, they're doing a better job of flattering him <laughs> than Steve is. Yeah. So Carberry's going out of the room. Who do you think is about to come back into the room? Julie. Julie, Julie came in with two coffees, my cup of tea, and more biscuits. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the pack was in the corridor. I'm right, not, I, I don't said. Know how, I don't know how long this scene has played out. But his tea, his level of chamomile tea consumption is insane. He's, he's got his, his second cup in, like, I'd say, seven or eight minutes. Yeah. She's putting a bit of cold water in. I it's, it's not coming piping from the kettle. <laughs> right, I said. Where shall we begin? The beginning is usually the best place, Shannon replied. He did not look at me directly. He examined the biscuit as if for incriminating evidence before finally deciding to bite off a small piece. Quite like that that image. Yeah. Turning the biscuit over, thinking nice or nice. <laughs> <laughs> I found him in the locker room, I said, with a knife in his back, just as Eddie told you. Did you place the knife in his back? Shannon asked. Be serious, I said, and I smiled broadly, though it was a smile born of embarrassment rather than of having said something comical. I am being very serious, Steve, Shannon said. Murder is a very serious matter. I nodded. I, too, was coming to understand the seriousness of my position. Who was the murdered boy? Was it Pat Duffy, your new centre forward? Yes, it was, I said. Let me take you to the locker room. Not yet, Shannon said. We don't want people going in there and messing with the evidence, I said. We have sealed off the area, Sergeant Widdison told me. Have you seen the body? I asked. Yes, we have, Shannon replied. And what was your conclusion? I asked. That the young man was certainly dead. <laughs> the pathologist will be able to tell us the time of death, Sergeant Widdison said. I can tell you when Pat Duffy died, I said loudly, to within ten minutes at least. I think I should warn you, Chief Inspector Shannon said gravely, that you're not obliged to say anything. But anything I say may be taken down and could be used in evidence against me. Is that it? I asked hotly. We don't use that form of words anymore. <laughs> it was a good run, that. It yeah. was a good run. I'm afraid I started to regret over the course of that run um, that I hadn't brought a few more regional accents to differentiate between <laughs> Barnes and, and the policeman. I've got very limited voice range. He said ruefully. There's a lot of that going on in that exchange, isn't it? I smiled broadly. Hmm... He's trying to add a, a, a little bit of sort of colour and show just a little bit of literary skill, which is then completely undermined by the phrase, we don't use that form of words anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not charging you any, with anything either, Shannon added. He coughed. Sergeant Widdison took out a notebook and a tape recorder. Tell us everything from the time you arrived here this morning, Shannon said, to when you found, as you say, the body of Patrick Duffy. Keep to the facts. Take your time. He took a drink of coffee. To him, this was another case. A serious case, no doubt, yet just another case. For me, it was very serious. You suspect me of killing young Duffy, don't you? I said. Just the facts. Keep to the facts, Widdison said, echoing his superior's words. Why the hell should I want to kill Duffy? I asked angrily. Why would anyone want to kill him? That is something we have to establish, Mr Barnes, Shannon said. His words sent a shiver down my spine. 
it was the formality of my surname now. <laughs> so what Steve's worried there is that either he's now being suspected of murder or that he's just got less famous. <laughs> if anything, the murder will keep him in the public eye. <laughs> well, he's a murder his own strike. He should be called Steve-O. <laughs> a little bit of red top in formality. I exhaled breath. <laughs> that is the worst sentence of yeah. this book so far. Yeah. <laughs> There's no sweet. need to say breath. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could have just said it. I exhaled. Would know what you yeah. were doing. Yeah. yeah, but what? What? What was the chemical makeup of what you're exhaling? <laughs> Helium. <laughs> Come on, Steve. We don't use that form of words anymore. <laughs> Suddenly, breathing did not come easily. Okay, the beginning. I arrived at the stadium early this morning. I always do. I plan to get some office work done before going to the training ground with the squad. Was Duffy a member of this squad? Shannon asked. Very important, I said, especially today. We were going to work on strategies to get the ball swiftly out of defence up to the front runners. Duffy is a striker, a front runner. Carry on, please, Shannon said politely. Are they enjoying this? Are they enjoying yeah, this? Yeah, I think he's really like, come on, mate. Yeah. I mean, has anyone ever heard the term front runner in a football context? Yeah, What's a front runner? Horses, you hear that, do you? I often think with these things that, you know, we don't know the lingo as well as Steve Bruce. So how is, how is he getting it wrong? If surely we're wrong. It just doesn't feel right. <laughs> Someone we can get the ball swiftly out of defence to. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. I've never heard it actually thinking about it. Carry on, please, Shannon said politely but I did not have time to continue. At that very moment, the door burst open. No knocking, no introductions. The intruder was very angry. His anger showed on his face and in his eyes. What the hell is going on here? He shouted. <laughs> on his face and in his eyes. And in his eyes. Yeah, yeah. His, in his eyes, not on his They're face. Not on his face, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to picture... Like a hammerhead shark with a mouth to the side. It's the alien from um, Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> Can you picture a sort of puce red angry face, but with sort of kind benevolent eyes just <laughs> resting in the middle of it? <laughs> um, the, the intruder was very angry. His anger showed on his face and in his eyes. What the hell is going on here? He shouted. What's happening, Steve? Has everyone gone stark staring mad? I stood up. Shannon and Widdison did the same. That's the way people behave when confronted by an angry man. <laughs> I, I can't remember who it is, but I've got a good guess. Do you want to have a guess? Sir Lawrence. It is Sir Lawrence. <laughs> yeah. With his it was either that or Pickles. No, yeah. And Pickles, Pickles is far too like, likely to generate a bit of a puff piece. He's not going to storm in there angry, is he? No, not at all. Not if they're bootlicking Pickles. <laughs> no, so it's Sir Lawrence who stormed in with his classic angry face, angry eyes combo, for which he's well known. That's the way people behave when confronted by an angry man, especially when the angry man is the chairman of the club and when he is worth more millions than you and I have had good dinners. <laughs> <laughs> Not hot dinners. Not even good, hot. good dinners. dinners. <laughs> Which sort of implies, again, that Steve's wife is not very good when it comes to the domestic area. Yeah. He's got a lot of hot dinners, but four, four of them good, maybe? <laughs> yes. I'll tell you what, here's something about Mrs. Barnes. She can heat up some bad food. <laughs> and overstock the chamomile. I think he's always thought, good dinners is way better phrase than hot dinners. Yeah. He's not got that wrong, has he? Like, that's an intentional... He's gone, 
hot dinners is a cliche. It's also too many because that would imply that Sir Lawrence is worth billions. Well, hang on. So if you're eating one hot meal a day. Do you think you've had more hot dinners or good dinners? It's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> can, a cold dinner, can a cold dinner ever be good? Um, but but nonetheless, obviously, do text in with your... How, <laughs> have you had more good dinners than hot dinners? <laughs> What's the best cold dinner? What's the worst hot dinner? <laughs> Using all of this evidence, how many millions is Sir Lawrence worth? <laughs> I, do you know what, though? I bet you Steve Bruce slash Barnes would be the kind of guy to say, I've only had five good dinners in my <laughs> Perhaps he means less the volume, but more there are only three good dinners. So he's had a thousand pies, but pie only counts as one good <laughs> oh, yeah. dinner. Oh, well, Sausage yeah. and mash counts as one good dinner, no matter how many times you've had it. That's a, that's yeah. a hell of an it, interpretation. It's not going to be a lot. He's a very cynical guy. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be effusive in his, pra- his praise for Susan's cooking. Yeah. Mm. No. All the Italian food in the world. It's not, it's like, not a well, good dinner. We had a nice we, meal we, in Mallorca in 1990. Does he ever experience food? It, over the three books... I obviously I remember the hotel buffet in Brazil. Oh, that's what I was going to say. He doesn't seem particularly food critical at that point. No, he's very drink heavy, isn't he? Every time. Yeah. Do you think Steve Bruce has ever eaten in like a Michelin star restaurant? No. Yeah, yeah, because he's yeah. loaded. Yeah, Mike Ashley would have wined and dined him. Yeah, but I, I reckon Mike it... Ashley's got more millions than uh, Steve Bruce had good dinners. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Steve Bruce can't get through the Cam Maltese. That could be the Sports Direct mugs. It's, a, it's, a, it's an absolute nightmare. Yeah, overdosed. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> One of those brought into him every five minutes. <laughs> I reckon Steve Bruce is the kind of guy who, who would think Pizza Express is a posh night out. I like a Pizza Express. I, yeah. I describe that as a good dinner. Well, here he is. Sir Lawrence Brook, I said, my chairman. Which is quite a weird way to... Oh, I, I suppose, sorry, he's he's introducing him to the detectives. I should have just said directly right. to Sir Lawrence. <laughs> Captain the same way Denzel Washington would say, my man. <laughs> Up on the tables. Never <laughs> <laughs> my chairman. <laughs> I want explanations, Sir Lawrence said to the two detectives, and I want them pretty damn quick. Pretty damn quick. Do you hear? End of chapter. Oh, oh lovely cliffhanger. It's a lovely scene, all shot in one scene, which would be good. If, if it was a play, it would be very easy to stage. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you've got the... You've got, it's got to be believable for the audience that Carberry moves to the desk without Barnes noticing. <laughs> I'd say that's, that's the hardest bit to stage. Sam Mendes, head in hands on 12th hour of rehearsal, struggling to... <laughs> Michael, if you were shooting that, would you do one continuous shot, that whole... Uh, I think it would depend who we'd cast as <laughs> Steve Barnes slash Bruce. Well, do you know what? Uh, for next month, they're on the forum, the uh, patron users Quickly Kevin forum, there is a discussion of the qui- of the uh, Steve Barnes movie. Oh, People's wow. ideas. Lovely. So um, it w- we'll have moved on by... Because we're recording a few of these in a row. Um, but... Um, I'll read you some of the messages and you can uh, give your feedback on them. But that's for next month. That is uh, chapter two of Striker with Steve Barnes. I think we can all agree it was a good chapter. Yep. Enjoyed it. Met some big characters. A lot of big characters. A busy room. Um, thank you for listening. The other uh, special episode this month is our Quickly Kevin Halloween special. Quickly Kevin, will he scare? Uh, which is our uh, ghost story special. So um, that is available now if you would like to listen to that. And why not? Until next month, Robbie Slater. See you later. Listener.
So there we go. That was chapter two of Steve Bruce's Striker. If you cannot wait for next week for part three, why don't you just binge them all right now? Every chapter from the first two books is available now with the Quitly Kevin fan club, plus all the other bonus episodes. To sign up, you can go to anotherslice.com forward slash Quitly Kevin and on your Apple podcast app, you can subscribe there as well. Weeks away from the final series of Quickly Kevin. We're recording them now. It's going to be massive. We'll see you next week. Robbie Slater, see you later.